Hello and welcome to the Flight School Podcast. I am your host, Jonah Lossie. Today with me is Adrian Walker, your co-host, and the first guest in the Flight School Podcast history, the associate producer of the Charlotte Hornets digital team, and the man who has broken more hearts than John Mayer, Nick <laughs> Bolick. How are you doing today, Nick? I'm well, but I, why are you dropping music references already? That's my first question. You're already dropping music references. Because Turner's not here. I, yeah, it is what it is. I, I know your your only knowledge of John Mayer is probably the Taylor Swift song. So it's <laughs> I mean, you know I don't know music. You know I don't know music. <laughs> That's fine. But but what you do know is basketball, and what you do know is sports. So I, I we appreciate you having having you on, brother. And uh, you've been doing well. I've been doing okay. I've been doing okay. My mood goes as the as the team goes. So winning winning helps everything. Job's always easier when we're winning winning games. When we're losing, it's not as fun. But winning cures all. Um, so I'm excited to get into some of these topics today. See what we got going on. Absolutely, Adrian. How you doing, brother? Oh, you know, I'm always doing good. We've we've actually name dropped Nick a couple of times on this podcast in previous episodes. So I think we're both excited, stoked to to have Nick on here with us. Uh, maybe get a little heated, heated, uh, and and we could have some fun. Oh, we, we oh bring the heat. We, yeah. <laughs> we always bring the heat. Uh, start off before we get too hot. I think uh, we had to talk about something uh, boring, and that was the Super Bowl uh, on Sunday, which was one of the worst games I've watched in a while. Not in terms of like I, I didn't really care. The only thing I cared about that made me mad was that Antonio Brown got a Super Bowl. I'm kind of conceded to the idea of Tom Brady dominating the league and becoming the best athlete of all time but what were y'all's thoughts on that I guess game I don't know what would you call it yeah Nick you go you go ahead before the game began I I was watching it with my roommate I can't watch it with any other people because of the quarantine rules that the NBA is under right now so I couldn't go anywhere and watch it but I told my roommate I said the fix is in before the game even started I said the fix is in I said they the NFL knows who they wanted to win the game and you'll see it and I'll be daggum if in the first half it wasn't eight penalties to one in the first half. I mean, I'm just saying, like, the Chiefs have been grabbing all year long, okay? That's how their corners have played all year long. It hadn't been a penalty all playoffs, all right? Now, I'm not disputing they were penalties because they were technically, but they hadn't been called all year and all playoffs long. Um, there was no sort of consistency. I think the refs came out and decided that they were going to throw that flag all game, and it completely changed the way the Chiefs had to approach their defensive game plan. Now the line couldn't block anybody, so it didn't matter. But and then the Chiefs laid down in the second half anyway, so you could argue it wouldn't have mattered either way. But their momentum was shot uh, right when they took the Matthew interception away in the first half. I think when you take that back off a of call, it was somewhere completely different and didn't even matter. You know, it, it completely took the wind out of the sails of the Chiefs. Mahomes looked okay. You know, he was making some throws that – that quite frankly, I hadn't seen before. The guy is hitting off people's face masks. I mean, my God, I catch the ball. Um, but yeah, the story of the game was the Tampa defense. They didn't let the Chiefs get deep, right? I mean, my they were sitting back too deep. They were making everything go underneath. The fast linebackers were covering Kelsey. He wasn't able to do too much till garbage time. He had over 100 yards. But overall, yeah, pretty, pretty deflated game. All things considered, didn't think that Tampa would go wire to wire like that. Although the Chiefs went up three nothing, I, I didn't think that Tampa would run them out like that. So I was very underwhelmed by the Chiefs' performance, specifically on both sides of the ball. 
Well, I say, yeah, kind of playing off what you said, that was my whole thing was like, I could have gone to a long discussion about, you know, analyzing all the plays of the first half, how well, you know, the Tampa offense was, how bad the Chiefs were. But all I had to say at halftime was the refs have been atrocious and the Chiefs have been worse. I mean, that's that's all I could really say because, yeah, they were bad. But some of those calls, man, like the uh, even even that uh, at the end of the half, they call Tyron Matthew, I believe, for pass interference. And I think the ball went through yep. the goalposts. I mean, I don't understand what's catchable anymore, but yeah, it was rough. What do you think, Adrian? Yeah, I mean, uh, I, I did feel a slight glimmer of pride uh, because I picked the Bucks to win this game. Uh, just because I've bet against Tom Brady a bunch of times in the past and it never worked out. Uh, so I decided not, not to do that this time. And um, it was frustrating because I wanted, I wanted both the, the refs to let both teams play. Um, I, I, I wanted to see the best of the Chiefs versus the best of the Bucks, and it felt like we didn't really get that. Um, also, the offensive line um, for the Chiefs, I felt like that was the story of the game. Um, like, like Nick said, there were so many times where Pat Mahomes had to, to get out of the pocket. I think I saw a stat um, where it was Pat Mahomes rushed for like 495 yards or ran for 495 yards, escaping the pass rush of the Bucks. Yeah, it was 497. <laughs> and you actually you look at yeah. you look at the drop back chart. His is absolutely all over the place. And Tom Brady's fits like in a dime. Like he didn't move at all. Yeah. And I think that was the most underrated aspect, most, and it was talked about, but not to the extent it should have been. Obviously, the the loss of Eric Fisher to uh, an Achilles tear at the ends um, of of the AFC Championship game against the Bills really, it was in my opinion what changed the game because Todd Bowles an amazing game plan. They changed everything about their Week Twelve performance and just swarmed the Chiefs. But I think the one common denominator that made it the worst Super Bowl. It's probably is one of the worst Super Bowls I've watched since 2016. And if the two, con- if there's any way to connect those two Super Bowls, it's that Nick Bolick's favorite player, Mike Rimmers, just happened to be playing offensive <laughs> tackle for both the Panthers and the Chiefs, and put up two of the worst offensive line performances I have ever seen in my life. Nick, what do you got to say for your boy? Well, first of all. The first one, we give him a little pass because he was going against Von Miller. Okay, Von Miller was on a completely different level that year. Than, that's the best defensive end year I've ever seen from Von Miller in terms of what he was able to do. I mean, you were going against Shaq Barrett here. Shaq Barrett is no scrub. But Shaq Barrett should not have gotten 12 pressures alone by himself. I think he got eight pressures and two sacks, one and a half sacks, two pressures. It's ridiculous. But – one thing I don't want to get lost here, y'all know me, I, I, I give some hot takes. It's just what I see. I'm just telling you what I see. I have no stats to back this up. You tell me if you agree. As I watched the Chiefs throughout the year, I saw these problems throughout the year. It wasn't because their offensive line was horrible. Patrick Mahomes enjoys rolling out of the pocket, making things happen. And he too often finds himself not settling in and throwing from the pocket, even when there's not pressure. He wants to hold that ball. He wants to roll out. He wants to give his receivers a chance to make a play. And I think that disrupted their rhythm slightly this year. That's why you didn't see them make, like beating teams very badly this year. Up until the Bills game in the AFC Championship, they had won like eight consecutive games by seven or less. Now they were winning the game, but they were not blowing teams out. 
And I just didn't see Mahomes like being super consistent inside that pocket. I think that he wanted to do too much almost and roll out. And you saw that continue in this game. Obviously, it was because of pressure and stuff. But still, he, he wasn't comfortable in the pocket, even when pressure wasn't there. Either his guys weren't open or he still didn't look too comfortable in that pocket. So I think as he goes back and looks at this season, in my opinion, you got to look at it and say, how can I be better and, and, you know, stay true to the playbook and throw from the pocket more? Because Andy Reid is a genius, okay? Things should be working. You shouldn't have to create everything by running around and making your magic. Now, it's wonderful when you do, but you shouldn't have to do that every time. And he's going to have time because he's having surgery, what, tomorrow on the, on the toe situation. So he's not going to be able to hit the field mo until the end of the offseason from what it sounds like. He'll be ready for camp, but we'll be missing all the organized team activities. So... Anyway, that's my take. I didn't think Mahomes looked like himself this year. Call it injury, call it whatever. He rolls out too much. He needs to settle in. That's just my thoughts. Yeah, and well, that, I think, was, uh, that was uh, – I'll go real quick. Um, yeah, go ahead. I think that was something that was brought up in the podcast or in the broadcast um, was that Mahomes consistently drops back really far, and he puts himself in these poor situations where if he doesn't release the ball – um, he's either going to have to scramble or he's going to take a sack like 20 yards deep. Um, and so it'll be really interesting. Obviously he's, he's having his turf toe surgery um, and he will be back next year and for years to come. Imagine the rhetoric would be using if the chiefs won on Sunday, like we're almost like doom and gloom of like, man, the chiefs need to figure this out. My homes needs to figure out his career path and all this, that, and the other, if they have won, We'd be like, man, Mahomes coming for Brady. Like he doesn't yep. stand a chance. And yep. it's just so funny. Like I, I'm, I agree. I don't disagree with anything y'all have said, but it's crazy how much one game can change career path. I mean, Bruce Arians, oldest coach to win a Super Bowl, he's considered somebody who had never really won the big game. He'd been on winning teams, Steelers and the Cardinals and whatnot. But I don't know. I just find it interesting that you know why it's interesting, Jonah. It's interesting because maybe if this great Mahomes would have scored a touchdown in this game, we could have a little, you know, but he ain't scored a touchdown. In he had fact, three that were dropped at least. He had three that were dropped. Off the face were, mask. Yeah, <laughs> off the face mask. It was very high level of difficulty plays, which is what I'm speaking to. You can't, like, yeah. on the grandest stage, you've got to be able to, like, because the Bucks ran the ball well. They had, they executed their play action pat like, I didn't see any of that from the Chiefs. Everything had to be a superstar type thing. I don't know. It, it's it's cause mm -hmm. for concern for me. They'll be back. I'm not saying they're not going to be back. I'm simply saying you got to figure some things out because you just, I mean, you just got shellacked on the grandest stage. And that's Patrick Mahomes. I didn't expect that. I'm going to be honest. None of us expected that. No. If, no, like, no. if you were to tell me Mahomes didn't score a touchdown, I got to bet $100,000 that he just scored a touchdown in this game. Regardless, one of the worst offensive performances by one of the the most generational talents we've ever seen uh, suit up in the NFL, regardless of era. So um, I think going from one MVP to another, um, good Super Bowl talk, but I think we can shift to basketball now. Uh, Nick, who's your MVP for the first part of the season? There's no question who's MVP. Oh, it's Big JoJo, isn't it? It's Joel Embiid. Mm -hmm. there, there's no question. Uh, a couple reasons. One, because in the preseason – I said that's going to be the MVP of the league, Joel Embiid, pending his health. Obviously, if he can stay healthy, he will be the MVP. But it's always an issue. You know, if LeBron wants to keep pushing people in the air and, and, and making them land on their back, then we're going to have to figure out if, if we can uh, sustain our, our health here. 
But Joel Embiid has played impec- exceptional. Credit to Doc Rivers for um, being able to work with this group, obviously, that was already there with Simmons and Harris and, and Embiid. But I, I don't see, the, you know, the East's best team uh, and the best player on the team is Joel Embiid. Every single night he's giving you 30 and 15. So um, I think it's Embiid. Obviously, Jokic is in there, right, Adrian? He's played well. But um, I don't know where Denver is in the West, actually. I don't know how far down they are. They're probably up there. I believe Denver's fourth. Yeah, it's not good enough. Give it, you know, uh-uh, It's not good enough. I don't think that um, that's good enough. I think Joel Actually, Embiid, w- w- I think they lost last night, which dropped them to eighth. Wait, <laughs> really? Yeah. Wow. It's tight right now. We can't yeah. put too much into yeah. the standings, I guess. It's tight. But, no, I just think from the eye test alone, Joel Embiid is taking his game to another level. I don't think he's happy with how last the, uh, the bubble ended for him. Um, and, and I think he's had a good offseason. And as long as he can stay healthy – he should be on his track to at least be in the top two. I think KD's the dark horse um, for MVP, but I didn't know how that Harden uh, going there, he'd work with him and Kyrie's playing well too. So um, be tough to win MVP when you're playing with Harden and Kyrie, right? But KD's playing very well. But yeah, Joel, what say you? <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, I mean, with Joel Embiid, and I'll, I'll speak to KD uh, actually real quick too. I think KD was in the conversation until they got James Harden because Kyrie Irving wasn't playing most of their, most of those games early on. So Katie was having to carry that club and keep them afloat in the Eastern conference um, without Spencer Dinwiddie and, and such, but Joel Embiid, I agree. Absolutely. The, the front runner should be the front runner. What Jokic is doing um, as a center in the league, nearly averaging a triple double um, and doing it efficiently is re- pretty remarkable. Um, but the way Joel Embiid dominates, like th- this is what Shaq and Charles Barkley and, and all those old heads were asking him to do on a nightly basis. They're like, you can go out there and you can dominate every single night because you are bigger and you're better and, and no one can hang with you if you play your best. And, and that's what he's doing this year. He's, I think Doc Rivers has finally unlocked him a little bit. Well, Doc Rivers and Daryl Morey with, with added shooters around him. Um, he, th- this looks like maybe the peak of, of Joel Embiid's career. I don't know if he can get any better than this. Um, and if he doesn't win MVP this year, it would be a shame. I think the only reason why he doesn't is if um, either he has a drastic drop off in performance or if he gets hurt. And I think injury concerns are always kind of the number one thing with Joel Embiid. Uh, but the person who's suffered from those injuries the most is Jonas. So I'll let you speak on it. Yeah, no, I think it, it's been kind of shocking to me because I he wasn't on my radar for MVP, not because I didn't think he was talented enough. In my opinion, Joel Embiid's the best center in the league when he's healthy, even though Jokic is the best passing center of all time and he has all these talents. If I had to pick one player at full health in the, in the league to be in my five, I mean, JoJo – not even close when you talk about dominating a game both physically and with skill um but he's just not been healthy he just really hasn't been and we we can go down the full list but you know he just simply stated he missed his first two years in the league i mean that's just kind of speaks to how injury prone this guy has been and it's kind of crazy what the sixers have done because they're clearly the top team in the in the east right now and they are statistically and i think over half of the losses have come from when Jojo was either 
out with uh, there was the COVID concerns and he's rested a couple games, namely after, as Nick mentioned, probably the pettiest move I've seen in recent NBA uh, has been, it was LeBron pushing him in the back midair, which is, I was, I was incredulous after that. I don't know. How I was LeBron livid did. and I'm not a 76ers fan. I, I I'm, was not either. I'm not a Sixers fan either. They whooped our behind three games already this year. And, but like, and then LeBron acted like he didn't do anything. Like, oh, it's not a dirt. like you just pushed a three hundred something pound man mid air, and he landed on his back. Okay, so yeah, no place for that. No place. Yeah. For that. So given those concerns, given that he was able to bounce back, play the next game, win the next game, rest, and then well, the Sixers lost after he rest. But I think the most incredible stat I think was it. It's whenever Simmons, Harris, and Embiid have all played together they're undefeated i believe i think they're 12 or 12 and 0 something and, like that. and danny green I think. and danny green yeah and yeah. danny green they're like 12 or 13 and 0 or something like that and that is insane if they can yeah. stay healthy they will be a finals contender maybe not win it i don't know if they can hang with the lakers or maybe even the clippers depending on who comes out of the west utah. Utah. utah is another scary team we talked about them before utah continues to look incredible um but the sixers if they stay healthy i don't see why they wouldn't come out of the west honestly or come out of the east unless maybe they get a 3-1 lead because they got doc rivers as their coach now but uh, <laughs> um, oh boy. uh doc rivers <laughs> what he's done has been incredible i'm a little worried it's not sustainable but what the what the team has looked like at full speed is dominant and what i love is that they are probably the best defensive team when they're all going because they don't maybe play the best defensive schemes all the time, but that starting lineup, Ben Simmons, one of the best defending point guards in the league. Everyone can guard. Everyone can guard unless they start Seth Curry. And then if you have one subpar defender and you have four of the best defenders in the league at their position, you're going to be all right. (laughs) That's that team is uh, a lot of fun. Um, But uh, yeah, it's just, I don't know. I, I don't trust it being a fan I, I'm, I'm a pessimist when my team does well and an optimist <laughs> whenever they're doing poorly um is there anybody else that y'all think deserves some shine when it comes to the actual mvp conversation outside of steph curry probably not um i i think uh uh, uh zach Lowe put out a, a graphic recently uh which was his his mvp numbers from 2016 and his numbers from this year and they're nearly identical i think his true shooting percentage uh, is down by like 2% uh, or less than his MVP year. And his points and assists are almost exactly the same. Uh, and he's really kind of carried the Warriors um, to a potential playoff team. I don't know if they're actually going to make it or not. I think we're a little too early in the season to tell. And the Warriors uh, could very well make a trade with Kelly Oubre uh, Jr., maybe get someone like Victor Oladipo or something like that. Um so I think it's too early to tell with how the dub success is going to be moving forward. But Curry this year has been absolutely phenomenal. And he's been one of the, the joys. He's been one of the bright spots of the league this year. If you were to watch the game last night, you kind of saw the nation of the season in a way of that Curry was incredible. Even though he kind of had like a lax quarter here and there, he makes a step back three. That's just impossible to like come close to tying the game and then they get a chance uh, down three, um, and they suspect they're going to foul. Curry can't get open. They lob the ball into Draymond Green, who just catches it half court and throws it at the net, thinking he's going to get fouled. 
they don't call a foul and he just damn near airballs the thing and game over. And so the Warriors just kind of suck and they need clay back bad. <laughs> I think that's really yeah. and and I uh, think that's what's gonna hurt Curry in terms of the MVP talk. He'll he'll be in the yeah. combo, but I think it'll just be chalked up to another fantastic season by him, but probably not MVP. Uh, just because if you look at the history of MVPs, you got to be on a pretty good team. The team needs to be pretty good, right? Um, yeah. So that's that. But uh, I could go back to Philly because I can't talk enough about how good they are. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've seen them three times this year. Was in Philly for three days, just listening to how good they are. So, but I will say Embiid's already laboring, guys. I will say like yeah. just watching him, he's already like grimacing a lot, like hands on his knees, like it's just. He's already grimacing, so I hope he can make it through the season, at least make it to the all-star break here and get about five to eight days of just playing no basketball, see if he can rejuvenate himself for the second half. Because it's all going to be about them getting him to the playoffs healthy, okay? Yeah. And they sustain being a top two or three seed in the East and still get Embiid to the playoffs because that's where it's going to matter. Um, mm-hmm. And last thing I'm going to say on Embiid, I don't want to go back to it too much, He he's the best in all of the NBA in drawing fouls at any position at guard forward center he's the best at drawing fouls i don't know his free throw numbers but it's hard to guard him without fouling him it he's just so good at it so he he's been damn near leading the league in free throws i believe um and and both makes and attempts i think because he like you mentioned he's just so dominant that people want to just foul him like you know like they did Shaq. but the problem is uh that joel Embiid is an 85 percent shooter from the line this year super crafty i mean super yeah. crafty just it's not just like trying to run people over it's like he gets his hands underneath other people's hands and it just he makes everything look like a foul uh it's very impressive i I've, i'm just very impressed with his overall body of work this year he's averaging 9.6 free throws made a game made and probably shoot I mean, that's 12. incredible 11.3 sh- uh attempts a game so he's shooting 85 percent. and it probably should be like 15 it probably should be like 15 yeah. attempts per game, for being point. honest yeah, you, it, that, that's a good way. And that's how Harden's been adding 10 points to his stat line every year. It's just <laughs> yeah. get to the foul line, make them. I mean, that's the thing. It's like it's one thing to draw fouls. It's, it's a whole different story if you're actually making them. Tell our Tar Heels uh, that. Yeah, no, I – yeah. <laughs> it's, I, I look, they aren't the worst free throw shooting team in the last decade. I thought they were, but one I, of think, I think they were – yeah, they were one of the worst. I think they're shooting around 66% from the line or something. This year, which is just Absolutely horrendous. Uh, kind of skimming through some of the other uh, quick headlines as you see pop through the league. Um, Derrick Rose got traded for just uh, uh, lame – the weakest trade package I've seen in the leagues thus far because Derrick Rose was kind of a hot commodity last year, and then his play has gone down a little bit. And they traded Derrick Rose for Dennis Smith Jr. and a second-round pick to the Knicks. And – Dennis Smith Jr. was just talking about how he wants to go to the G League because he's not getting minutes, and they trade a you know a six man level player for him in a second round pick. That's just nothing. Um, I thought that that was a good trade for the Knicks. Um, I just kind of depressed by Derrick Rose. He's my favorite player of all time. To see him kind of tossed around like chump change is painful. At least um, he gets to reunite with Tips, though. I think that's who ruined his career, so that's fine. Yeah, but. Uh, <laughs> uh karis levert one moment let me let me touch on dennis smith real quick when they were when they were here in charlotte um a rule in the nba is if you ride the first bus to the arena you're trash basically you're like the very bottom of the bench and you ride over with like the training staff and stuff to get set up and get there early and stuff well dennis smith was on the first bus when he was here 
And he literally comes out to the court as soon as they get here. He doesn't even go to the locker room and change. He literally walks right to the court. He was already in his stuff. And he doesn't even care about his pregame fit anymore, right? Because it's like, I'm not playing. I'm, he goes right to the court and he just starts shooting by himself. He doesn't even have a rebounder. No one's rebounding for him. Like no staff members with him. That's not really normal. Uh, so like he was literally just trying to get shots up. And like he, so he really is trying to work himself back into the league. But it was very clear that New York is not going to, utilize him in any way so for them to flip him for Derrick Rose seems like a, just a home run for them because they had no intentions of using Dennis Smith in any way so and to I, think he was the headlining piece of the Porzingis trade that's crazy and, well, and you know it, it, and you know I hope he gets it together what's so but like it's as a as an NBA fan as and as a terrible person yeah it's almost funny <laughs> to hear someone of such high caliber do that but for what's really such a bummer to me yeah he's a north carolina kid despite him going to nc state despite all that he's like from fayetteville i believe i want i was rooting for that guy um and to see his descend to you know g league almost is just i don't know it's a little depressing for me and i I feel bad for the guy i really hope i will see that's what i'm saying i I hope he gets to a franchise that cares about him but detroit exactly isn't (laughs) isn't exactly the place for that to happen so look if you can't defend in the NBA and you can't shoot, you, you can't play. You got to be able to do one of the two. He can't do either. I mean, he just hasn't been able to develop that shooting at all. He's just a slasher attacker. And, you know, he's a little undersized on defense too. He just hasn't been very good defensively on anywhere he's been. So sorry, you got to yeah. figure it out. I think, I think his NBA comp coming in with Steve Francis. Well, <laughs> It's tough, tough business. Uh, moving on, uh, Karis LeVert, had, I believe he had a successful surgery. And he's back with the Pacers now. Uh, really bad cancer scare. But the trade probably saved his life, as we talked about before, which, you know, Karis LeVert is an amazing player. I love watching him play, and that's just terrifying. Uh, I don't think there's any uh, uh, timetable for his return right now, but knowing that he's back with the team and working back to get fit, um, really heartwarming news. Love that. Um, Pacers are a good team, guys. Pacers are a very yeah. tough team. Sabonis does not get enough credit. I oh, I want doesn't. him to be an all-star so bad. I really hope he gets year. voted in. He was last year. Um, and he and he, and a lot of people are like, what? It's like, yeah, no, he deserved it. I mean, and he's, he's better this year. He's better he, this year. He's a damn good player. He's tough. I mean, he's tough. I mean, we split with him one and one on our back to back at home, but like we uh second game, we frustrated him a little bit more. Um, yeah. You got to get physical yeah. with him. He's so physical. You got to get physical. Got to give it back to him. Yeah, if anyone's going to be physical, it's going to be Cody Zeller, right? I mean, Cody Zeller. I got a stat. <laughs> but while we're on Cody, I got a stat. Before Cody Zeller came back to the Hornets lineup from his hand injury, the Hornets were 29th in rebounding in the NBA. Since his return, just in the sample size, about six games, we were 15th. So he literally brought us to mid- middle of the pack where we were getting crushed without him. Now I'm middle of the pack again. So you could argue that that's a big thing, but continue. Oh, it's huge. I, I, there is a lot I want to ask you about the Hornets. Um, I have just a couple quick things. Uh, I don't know why Adrian even bothered to put this here. Turner's not here anymore. Um, LeBron. <laughs> <laughs> LeBron passes Will, Will Chamberlain uh, to third all-time and uh, NBA field goals made. Um, Did you guys see me take LeBron off the dock when you put him in the MVP conversation? Oh, yeah. I did. No, he, I did. I took him out. I'm not dealing with it. I, I know you're not going to deal with it. He's still going to get votes. He, he's always going to get votes, especially if AD continues to underperform and the Lakers yep. continue to win. If anything, LeBron has a better chance next year or this year. Um, 
this is something you just mentioned, Adrian. All star voting. Other than no, I'll let you talk about him. Who, what, what West, uh, West, uh, Western Conference guard do you think deserves to be <laughs> in the All Star game? Well, Adrian? well, uh, I did just write a whole article about it, um, uh-huh. and and that is that is Shea Gilgis Alexander. Uh, he is just he just does not get enough credit. I mean, um, the Thunder, Oklahoma City's not a a mainstream market by any means. And once uh, Kevin Durant and Paul George and Russell Westbrook and Carmelo Anthony and anyone that could uh, dominate a headline left, uh, Oklahoma City's kind of gone to the back pages. But Shea Gilgis Alexander's absolutely having an all-star caliber year. Um, he's he's averaging almost as many points as as Donovan Mitchell. Um, he's averaging more assists and more rebounds, and he's doing it on better efficiency. And Donovan Mitchell's probably going to be the fourth guard selected um, in the West behind uh, Luka Doncic, Damian Lillard, and Stephen Curry. Um, and and I just I'm, it it upsets me because he's having an incredible year. He's having one of the better breakout years I think we've seen um, in in the past couple of years in the NBA. And it's just not getting headlines because he's in Oklahoma City. And I mean, it's understandably so. And he's on a, 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 a crap team um, yeah. that that's struggling to even make the, the playoffs or, or be in the conversation. I think so. that, that's, that's my, my issue with, like, you know, I don't want to disrespect Sheik. I really do like him. I thought it was uh, just, I don't know if it was underrated, but just absolutely ridiculous that they were able to pull him in the Paul George trade as well as all those picks, which is kind of crazy to me. But that we've seen it time and time again. I mean, if Bradley Beal can average 30 points a game and not get in because he's on a crap team, I think SGA is kind of stuck in that same thing because we saw it with Devin Booker before him. Um, guards that ball out on bad teams, people just don't care about them, unfortunately. Um, I, I'd like to see him. I think he is an all-star eventually. Um, I think he'll get some recognition, especially if for some reason he doesn't find, find himself on Oklahoma City in the next three years. But – I'm interested by him. Uh, Nick, do you have any uh, sleepers for the all-star game? No sleepers. I will say Gordon Hayward deserves consideration, um, but uh, I don't want to talk Hornet shit if we're not on it, but Gordon Hayward should definitely make the all-star game um, as a forward in the Eastern conference. Um, I don't know if there's any other sleepers. I think Shea's a good one, Adrian. I just don't know if he will um, just because of what Jonas said. He definitely deserves it. Uh, when you said he averages as many points as Donovan Mitchell, that, that's interesting. That's interesting. I didn't realize that. Um, but no, yeah. I, I don't. I haven't. I haven't thought about it too much, just because I don't. I think the All Star Game is going to be super underwhelming this year. I mean, just with COVID and everything, I don't even think players want it to happen. So um, you see, the see the likes of De'Aaron Fox and LeBron James openly talking against the All Star Game. Well, that's uh, fine. De'Aaron Fox will make it so well no but it, it's still <laughs> interesting of course he's been averaging like 30 the last couple games so That's but okay. still 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 um uh, last piece of headline news was uh from a game that nick was at last night uh lamella ball sets the hornets rookie record with seven threes in the game his seventh three coming from the man who tied that record of six last year was pj washington facilitating lamella ball for the record breaker uh nick how what is it like to see LaMelo ball and what is it like to see him on a team that hasn't had him in the last couple of years, he gets injected in this team and it just seems like the culture has changed. Culture has changed. 
there, there's no other way to put it. As James Brago said uh, in, a, in a media availability the other day, he said, Lamelo's joy for the game makes me want to coach with more joy, wants me to put more joy into everything that I do because he genuinely lifts everyone up around him. Now, make no mistake, our group was already a very upbeat group, regardless of the wins and losses last year. We've got a great locker room with PJ Miles, Terry Rozier, which, by the way, is a great, great locker room guy, and people don't know that. Um, and Devontae Graham, one of the most just flamboyant personalities that we've seen come through the program. But LaMelo Ball takes it to a completely different level. I mean, he, I mean, I can't say enough about what he's been able to do. There's just, my mind's going so many different ways, but you see it on the court. Nothing rattles him ever. Um, he had one game earlier in the year where he turned the ball over five times in the first half, didn't play at all in the third quarter because you're not going to be inserted into the lineup just because you're the third pick. I know the fans want him to start uh, over Devontae or Terry, um, and he has started because of injuries, um, but the fans want him to start, and, and I do think we're well on our way to seeing that. But um, it's, it's, been a, it's been very, very fun to see him inserted uh, into our team, and it, you can see the results. I mean, we lead the league in assist. Uh, I mean, if we didn't have LaMelo Ball, we probably wouldn't lead the league in assist. The only time we score a basket that's not assisted is if Rozier creates his own or if uh, Malik Monk gets his own, basically, or if Lamelo gets a drive. But other than that, everything's assisted. You, you, you know, I hate to say it, but you see a little bit of that spur, you know, ball movement. We're very ball movement type team uh, with JB. So it's been great. I, I could go so many different ways right now, but like, I'll just, I'll end there. I'll end there. Oh, and I think, I think that we have a leeway to do that because it, that's how I've been talking about him because, and I also have to give props to uh, Borrega because I kind of, I didn't slander the man, but I didn't give him the credit that he, that was due uh, the last couple of years. Cause you know, Nick, you would always tell me how good of a coach he is on, in the, in the locker room on the court, but I just wasn't seeing the product as much. I think he just needed, that kind of player. Well, well really yeah, let, let's, let's touch on JB real quick. Cause I, I do speak highly on JB. He's a fantastic coach in this league. I've never, I mean, he, he commands, he just commands everything so well. Um, but when he first came to the team as the head coach, let's talk about where the team was. They had Kimball Walker. It was a mix of veterans, you know, a, a lot of vets on the team, Marvin Williams, Batum, Zella, uh, just a very veteran led group, Tony Parker, even uh, if people forget that it was a very veteran Dwight Howard for a year. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. So, so I think that the expectation was like, all right, come in here, try to coach this team, get them to the playoffs, you know, playoffs, you know, we have Kimba, we got to get to the playoffs. But then when we let Kimba walk, and we, you know, we sort of cut some weight here, here and there. Uh, oh, we had MKG too. just saying. So it was, yeah, you know, the expectation was like, try to get this team to the playoffs. But when, well, when you go away from that, you go into year two, and the expectation completely changed. It completely changed. Mitch Kupchak, the GM explained, the goal is actually not to make the playoffs this year. We're going to try to win as many games as we can, but the goal is development, 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 development. And you've seen that come. Then here's year three, right? Year three, it's still about development. The guys are still young. Uh, the oldest player on the team is uh, Cody Zeller. So, and he's only like 27 or 28. Terry Rozier is the next oldest. So you got a very young team. The expectation is to push for the playoffs, but it's still development. So you lose that pressure from his first year where he was pressing, you know, trying to figure out what to do with all these vets to where management took a lot of pressure off of him uh, and said, let's don't worry about playoffs. Let's worry about developing our guys because that's what he was good at in San Antonio. And that's what led them to have so many good players and make their championship runs. 
So Borrego is a fantastic, fantastic head coach. He's put the guys this year in great positions. We've got multiple players averaging more than 10 points a game from P.J. Miles, Lamelo, Terry Ogier, Devontae Graham. We, we're one of the most well-balanced teams in the league. Uh, we don't have one singular go-to guy, uh, which I, it can be a good thing and a bad thing. Oh, Hayward, sorry, six. Um, and then you add in what Malik's doing. He could work his way up there. We could have seven players averaging 10 points a game. So that's, that's very – very impressive to, to manage all of that. We've got a very deep team, uh, but obviously our best player is Gordon Hayward, I think. And then Terry Rozier and LaMelo, of course. So it's just, a, it's a very well-rounded group that, that can, if you put everything together and you get consistent play from the center position as best they can, uh, it is a playoff team and could potentially win a series. What I'm really curious about, um, and I, I'd, I'd like to hear your opinion on this is, how does LaMelo affect the marketability of this team moving forward, especially um, when we get fans back in the arena and stuff like that? Cause I feel like everyone's kind of talking about the Hornets right now, right? They're, they're one of the most exciting teams to watch. Um, but because we're in this whole pandemic and everything, it, the whole sort of marketability of players is, is dimmed down right now, but when it comes back, what, what do you expect? Right, the conversations are already being being had about the effect LaMelo is going to have. I don't think there's any doubt that when fans are allowed back in the arena, it's going to be full. I mean, I'm talking to the upper deck, just like Jonah said, we're going to have high profile people coming to watch and play. Um, and our loyal fans, very happy for our loyal fans that have been with us throughout everything to be able to come back and see the excitement. Um, season ticket holders are probably going to get the first option to come back when they do allow the limited amount of fans. We don't know when that's going to be. I have no information on that. I, hopefully it's soon because even doing what I do, I, I need the energy of the fans. It's more fun when you're in a full arena, when you're feeling that energy, uh, as opposed to an empty arena with the artificial crowd noise. Um, but the conversations are already being had. Like Anything we do with LaMelo Ball attached to it receives infinitely more engagements, views, likes, comments, then if it's not LaMelo. And I don't know how the internet works, but anything that's LaMelo just goes further. It just does. <laughs> I did a hype video, a very simple video. I don't know if you guys saw it in the off season of LaMelo just working out in our practice facility. And I just timed it up to ticks of a clock, tick, tick, just to cut, 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 cut. And I think it got close to a million views. Just, just very simple video. It took me about an hour to do. But just because it was LaMelo as the subject, it obviously took off. If that had been another player that we had themed that video to, who's to say if it would? Probably not. Actually, I know it would not have. So yeah. <laughs> I just didn't want to say it, but it would yeah. not have. So It would not have. I, I really don't think so. And I think my favorite thing, we talked about it, is just his, his joy for the game. And that's my favorite thing about basketball. The, I played football my entire life up until I got to college. And I was, I love basketball, but I was just never as good at it. I always have more fun, like especially casually playing basketball. That is what makes it such a beautiful sport. It just seems like it invokes joy. That's my favorite thing. And I think the other thing that sticks out to me about Melo is I think you'd be hard pressed to find a more confident player in the NBA, despite only being 19 years old. I mean, tell me about like, what is he obviously some of that can probably lead to some cockiness it definitely did when he was in high school but what has that led to him in terms of on the court play as well as how he, he is in the locker room first thing is you'll never see fear in his eyes he's not afraid to take any shot you see him like the the coming into the league it's he can't shoot right his shot's ugly it's going to get blocked 
Well, no, it's not. If you release it fast and, you, and you're decisive and you're ready to shoot when you, when you do it, it doesn't matter how it looks. And people don't notice KD shoots from the other side of his head almost, but no one wants to talk about that. <laughs> you know, it's not exactly the most formed shot. You know, if you look at it, it kind of comes from the side. Anyways, um, Lomelo is not scared. And I found out from like his first day here in media, uh, he's a man of few words, actually. And he's very blunt and he's very open. Like, for like, I, he's, I'm so surprised he said this yesterday to the media. Uh, I didn't know if we were going to discuss it. He actually did not warm up yesterday before the game because he was waiting on a COVID test uh, to come back in time. And so he didn't even get to come into the arena on time to warm up. <laughs> he, he missed his on-court workout before the game. He didn't even come out to shoot with the team in the layup lines until 25 seconds were remaining on the clock. He, he shot one shot after the anthem. He's like, give me a ball, give me a ball. Boom, missed. And I was like, oh boy, you know, how's going to be one of those? You know, how's this game going to go? And, and then he comes out and, and, you know, ties the rookie record for threes made in a game. And, and he, he, he fears nothing. He fears nothing. But and anytime the media asks him any type of controversial question, like, have they ever tried to change your shot? And he's like, oh, yeah, people have tried to change it all the time. I just told him that's how I shoot, though. And then, and then he'll end it there. It's like he doesn't elaborate. It's just like he just believes what he says. And it's so refreshing because, you know, he's had cameras in his face his whole life. Mm -hmm. So I think he, he's just so seasoned with how to answer stuff and not give too much or too little. He's not. He just he just says it. He's so blunt. And it, it's refreshing to me. So I yeah. love it. And Adrian, I got a question for you too, because you, I mean, you followed the league, you followed the movement of the league really well. Um, I think something that's never really been true about Charlotte, you know, not even being like uh, too critical of, you know, any of the organizational aspect, it's just not always been the most popular place of free agents. I think LaMelo has shocked a lot of NBA players who have been outside the organization and now see him on the court how much fun everyone's having and how all the smiles and they're winning now. Do you think if LaMelo continues to progress at this rate that he could create Charlotte kind of manifest it to becoming a free agent destination? Well, if you think about it and, and Charlotte isn't necessarily golden state per se, but when golden state was in like 2015, like when they kind of exploded on the scene, that was when Steph Curry was like playing at, I would say like his most fun. Um, the warriors were having a blast and everyone who watched them was having a blast every time they got on the court because that's just the, the style they played with. And LaMelo kind of brings that same energy, right? Now, like I said, Golden State, like the Bay Area and Charlotte are two different cities. It's two different places. But that was good enough to attract Kevin Durant. Um, and, and if you think about LaMelo's play style and, and if he does continue to progress in, in the upwards direction that we kind of expect, I could absolutely see Charlotte becoming a free agent destination and, and not that long of a time. Um, it, it's, it's really, that, that's one of the cool things that you love about the NBA, right? Because every off season, it's like, it's almost as big or there's almost more storylines than there are during the regular season during the playoffs. Um, and LaMelo absolutely could, could create several storylines um, that are intriguing moving forward with free agents and, and stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I really think it just he has this this aura about him to be just kind of an unstoppable force in regards to just media. Like uh, we saw that with kind of with Zion. I think we're going to see it when fans come back. He's just going to be one of those guys that's just easy to 
make content about because anytime uh, people always talk about Bleacher Report, always either posting about LeBron and then it was Zion. Now they're kind of on the LaMelo train. Um, I think his hype train is at an all-time high. Um, Nick, I'm going to ask you the most unnecessary question that I asked Turner and Adrian last week. And is that, do you think LaMelo Ball has the opportunity to be the best point guard in the league eventually? Eventually, sure. Eventually, sure. Um, but I want to go back to the free agency discussion and about yeah, absolutely. free agency destination. Uh, let's talk about the number of people that thought Gordon Hayward would come here uh, when, when yeah. it was talked about. Everyone kind of shooed him into Indiana and the Knicks and all this stuff. And I, I kind of had a feeling he would consider Charlotte because he considered Charlotte back when Utah matched his offer sheet back in whenever it was, 2016 maybe. Uh, and he's even said in interviews he never forgot when you know MJ made that offer to him that he had a lot of respect for Charlotte showing interest in him and for him to eventually come back here at the you know when he's a true vet and a seasoned vet in the league um is very is very impressive that Charlotte was able to land him and and at the time many people thought it was overpaid you know it's 120 fully guaranteed but as a matter of fact it's worth he's worth more than that actually and he's he's helped steady the team in a way that helps LaMelo, right? Because, you know, if we're reeling, you know, LaMelo is very fast. He's a very fast player. He wants to throw a full court pass. He wants to push the rock and drive it and kick it. But if we're, you know, in a spurt where we've three straight possessions kind of, you know, fizzled out, you know, bad shots too quick, it's kind of like, all right, slow it down. Hayward, let's get him in a pick and roll. Let's get him in the high post. And he settles us down. So he's been very good for the team. So that's love Hayward from free agency. Yes, LaMelo can be the best point guard in the league. No, I'm not going to say that yet because the Hornets have not arrived yet. We are playing well. There is a lot of good things, but there is things that need to be more consistent. Um, I think that where we win games is defensively. You see the defense last night against Houston. It's kind of like a half-court press. Everything switches. We don't, we don't like – like we don't just – try to go over the top on everything. It's like everything is a switch because we got so many versatile players on the team. So I think the tenaciousness on defense and being able to push the basketball is kind of where this team's going to make their money. But we still got a lot of work to do. So we're not going to crown anyone just yet. We're all happy with how the wins are coming in, but we'd like to um, show it consistently over time because we've, you know, we've hit games where we've won four in a row, then lost three in a row, then won two, then lost two. You know, so let's let's see if we can win 10 of 12 you know like let's really build some momentum um got a tough west coast trip coming up um where it's six games on the west coast 15 day trip so that'll show you a lot about where they are it's very tough teams you know uh that we have to play with the exception of minnesota but if cat's back that's still going to be tough for us so um we'll see where we land uh going into the all-star break i got a question to kind of bounce off of jonah's um which is I, I couldn't, like you, I, I couldn't really say that the Mello is going to be the best. It's hard to crown anyone right now or anything like that. But my thing with, with the Mello, with watching him, I feel like he might have the best feel for the game. Just like overall feel like sometimes he'll make a play that probably isn't in the playbook or probably isn't designed. Um, his feel for the game, I think is, I can't, I can't actually compare anyone maybe chris paul um good that's good that's good yeah but i i can't think of anyone else like it's it's incredible i shoot all the games from a video perspective when the game's going on i've got a video camera 
uh, shocking, Jonah. I know, shocking from, from all of our uh, things that we used to do. But I shoot the games. And the difference is, I tweeted this out before, that when LaMelo's in the game, I got to hit that red button as soon as the ball's inbounded or as soon as the rebound is secured. Whereas in the past, I would wait till we cross half court, you know, wait till we go through a couple of actions, you know, screens and stuff, and then hit record because I know what's coming. I have no idea what LaMelo's going to do with the ball. I have no idea. I've missed so many plays where I didn't think he would throw it. And he did. And I missed it because he's just so fast. Um, the margin for error is so high on most of his passes that he throws, but they always seem to get through. <laughs> it really makes no sense. But Lamelo is truly exhilarating to watch. And yeah, I mean, he's got a great feel. I mean, and the more uh, JB trusts him too. Um, he gives him the reins and we're better when Lamelo is controlling the ball. Still love yeah. Devontae Graham though. Love Devontae in the game too. But when Lamelo's controlling the ball, I think the defense is always on its heels. Yeah, I think that's something that's kind of interesting. It's like he makes your job more fun. It probably makes it a little more difficult. It's actually more difficult, but like it's a good difficult. It's like more work, but it's, it's a, in a good way because yeah. uh, it, it was so funny. Like down in Miami, we were sh- I was shooting him. It was his first start in the NBA down in Miami. And I was shooting it from the perspective of like, we're going to feature this, you know, after the game, I'm shooting him before the game and all this stuff. And he comes out and doesn't have a very good game. He gets four fouls in the first half. And I'm like, oh boy. And then Malik Monk scores 36. So, and I just think that's the beauty of this team is any given guy can step up. I mean, I'm so serious. You got a guy like Malik coming off the bench that can give you 36. I'm not saying he's Lou Williams because he's not consistent enough, but you got guys that can go for 30. I mean, there's a lot of guys that can. So uh, really, really fun to watch. And I think something that you mentioned is the youth and the development of this team. And yet they're already playing at a pretty high caliber, not consistently. But I think they're not too far off. With the next couple of years, I think not too far off. The Hornets being in the playoffs not being as much of a question. Because that used to be kind of the height as a Hornets fan was, man, we made the playoffs. Like, they and then we got twice. bounced by Miami. You know, it's They got like, bounced yeah. by Miami. It's like yeah. they only made it twice uh, as when they were in the Bobcats phase. Like, you know, they, they've made it like three times in the last 15 years or whatever. Like, it's just – it hasn't really been as interesting late in the season because you kind of know what's going to happen. I think we're getting to that point, whether they can contend – in a first or second round manner, I think we're finally getting there where they have found their guy that they want to build around and they're being patient. They, like you said, LaMelo's not necessarily a full-time starter yet. Like he's, he has to earn that. And I'm so excited to see that the Hornets are so focused on development and doing it the right way that they w- went from being, you know, I wouldn't say a laughing stop, but kind of stuck in that uh, kind of purgatory area to be maybe being a consistent, you know, fifth seed or lower that fifth to eight seed almost every year and it I, I was think that's huge it was and and it go it, I, it goes back to management and the gm the assistant gm trusting the coaching staff this is a fantastic coaching staff you've got to give them time though because you got to understand who was in who was in the building so just being able to have the no pressure aspect like of making the playoffs last year, please just develop the players the right way, develop them the right way. We're trying to see strides and we're, we saw it last year. We had, you know, Devontae Graham was amazing last year. Miles Bridges took steps forward last year. PJ had a great rookie season. This year was more about, okay, let's take that next jump. We, everyone's got to improve. Everyone's got to get better. Make no mistake, Mitch Kupchak's been so phenomenal in finding these people outside of the draft too, like Caleb Martin. 
you know, he's a good player. He's a good player. He was undrafted. Cody Martin was drafted. Just so happens Caleb Martin's playing more because Caleb Martin's a good offensive player and he brings just a lot of energy defensively. So the point is, is everyone on this team plays hard. And I don't think across the league, you see that every night, but on this team, if you don't play hard and play defensively, you're not going to get minutes. Malik Monk figured that out. Malik Monk didn't play the first 12 games because maybe he wasn't committing on defense, but when you commit on defense and you, you show, you know, you see that all the time with our staff, show your hands. Okay. Show your hands defensively. In the NBA, you see guys standing on our team. We show our hands. That's the, that's what said all practice, show your hands. And I think we have to, because we're a smaller team, a lot of athletes on the team, but a smaller team. And like last night, Houston is a much more physical team than we are. They got a lot of players, a lot of length, um, and we were able to stifle them defensively. They scored seven points in the fourth quarter. Um, that, that doesn't happen by accident in the NBA. That doesn't happen by accident. That's a good defensive game plan. Yeah, and I, I think there's such – they're probably, like I said, right now, they're my number one team to watch in terms of just enjoyment right now. Um, and I think I just they just have such an exciting future. Uh, Adrian, do you have anything else right now? Yeah, no, I mean, it's what's so cool, I think, for, for all three of us, um, having been in North Carolina for a while, uh, growing up in North Carolina, it's always been Charlotte's kind of kind of been in that sort of purgatory area, like Jonah said. Um, and there, there hasn't been a lot of hope around the team in a while. And I would say that what LaMelo has brought, what Gordon Hayward's brought too, his, his, his impact can't be understated. Um, but what those two have brought along with the coaching staff and everything, there's a lot of hope around the, the franchise. And I think that's really cool to see. Yeah, absolutely. Well, Nick, uh, where can folks find you? Oh boy. I, I don't know if they want to find me. They can find, uh, they can find <laughs> me on Twitter at Nick Bullock three, um many of you know what the three stands for but uh better left unsaid maybe <laughs> actually but anyways um no I, I appreciate y'all having me on it's always fun to talk about the team especially after two wins uh easier to come on here after a win I think y'all wanted me to come on after a, the four game winning streak and then we couldn't make it happen um but I was happy we can make it happen today um again we're, we're just we're just really excited um Things are looking up right now, and we haven't been able to like we're twelve and thirteen still. We're still under five hundred. But at the end of the day, the eye test like the eye test tells you a lot of things, right? The eye test can tell you a lot more, and you could just see things sort of shifting. It's going to take a little time still. We're not expecting, you know, we're not expecting finals and and winning multiple playoff series, but we are seeing the shift, and I think that's what Adrian's talking about too. We're just seeing that shift. Um, Lamelo is having the same effect that Cam Newton kind of had on the city. Uh, not to drop that bombshell, but it's not more actually. Um, so it's really fun to watch, really fun to watch. When we have fans again, we'll have to get everybody out to a game um, to see the boys in action. It's fun. It is fun. I cannot wait. I've probably never been more excited to see a Hornets game. At least, you know, any time, any other time I've said that, I've probably been like, I'm, I'm so excited to go see the Sixers play at Spectrum. I'm so excited right. to see Giannis play at Spectrum or, you know, even though Kimba just dropped 60 last time I was there, but we get to go see JoJo. Like, you know, I now, I, now I'm going to go see Melo. I'm going to go see the Hornets. Gordon. I want to go see the Hornets. I want to yeah. see the Hornets. Everyone wants to see the Hornets now. It's awesome. I'm going to slip on that pinstripe, number one jersey, number two jersey, whatever <laughs> we got to do. I like, I like Monk. Man, Maybe those I, city I like jerseys. Whew. I'm just saying. 
But uh, for, for fans of ours, you know where you can find us at flight underscore pod. Uh, you can find Nick at his own socials. Uh, anytime you see any fire content on uh, the Hornets socials, you know who probably did it. I mean, if it ain't fire, it ain't Nick. That's right. That's right. We got a, so, we got a great team of people. I'm just part right. of it. Oh, yeah, no, but he's, he's the one you actually need to pay attention to. So, <laughs> Regardless, uh, we'll probably have Nick on here again at some time after the Hornets win the finals or anything like that. So uh, we appreciate having you. Um, thanks for listening, y'all, and I uh, hope you have a fantastic rest of your week. Have a great one.